0: Welcome to the Jesus Famous Youth Teachings Podcast. Our vision is to see Jesus famous in the lives of the youth of our church. We want to see youth have opportunities for them to come to know Jesus in a complete and whole way and be united together in love, and most importantly, strengthened in the moments of discouragement. Jesus Famous Youth meets on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. and has a middle school program available on Sundays at 11 a.m. Now, let's get into our teaching. All right, so Colossians chapter chapter 3, verse 18. So as we get going with this, as we, as we kind of come to the end of Colossians, like I said, two more teachings. Um, I just want to kind of, maybe you're looking at this going, Josh, why are you going into chapter 4? Isn't like the end of chapter 3, you know, isn't that where we stop the teaching? So the Word of God is inspired, and maybe you guys didn't know this. The Word of God is inspired, right? We believe that it's from God written through man that God has chosen. But actually, the breaks in the chapters and the verses was by like a monk on a donkey. So like those aren't necessarily inspired, right? So um, just a little side note, if somebody's like, well, like what about the chapters and stuff? Didn't like some random guy? Yeah, some random kind of monk did do the chapters and the breaks in the chapters, but that doesn't take away from the inspired Word of God, okay? Just a little side note in there for you, okay? So chapter 3, 18, down to chapter 4, verse 1 tonight. Uh, as we kind of finish up chapter 3 uh, in this book of Colossians, we, we understand that the, the idea of this is the true like Christian understanding of spirituality, what it means to be a spiritual Christian, what it means to be spiritually natured in our faith and in our faith walk. And that's really what chapter 3 has brought us to, this genuine spiritual walk. A couple weeks ago, it's been two weeks since our last teaching because of Halloween and our costume night, but the idea that, that we want to be genuine Christians it starts with the idea of having a genuine spiritual walk with Jesus. Just like the spiritual nature of just, just your daily life. How much time are you spending with Jesus? How much time are you putting into that relationship with Jesus? And this is something so fundamental, but yet we just kind of take it as some concept rather than the real understanding that Jesus is calling us to a relationship and an a obedience under him daily. I mean, guys, like it's so sobering. If you were to take a scale you know, a weight scale, and you were to put all the time you spend on just, like, frivolous things, YouTube and social media and video games and listening to music on one side, and you were to put, like, all your Jesus time on the other, like, how off balance would that scale be, right? And, and I know it's like, pastors aren't supposed to say that. That makes me feel bad. It's okay. Like, you should feel a little bad. Like, there should be an evenness in that. There even should be an off balance where your time with Jesus just, it overwhelms and it's not like you have to spend 24-7 on your knees, in your room, by yourself, just praying. But, but truly, the spiritual nature of who you are, does it overwhelm, does it overcome you, your identity, and who you are? When people know you, when people speak to you, when people get to know you as a person, does the character of Jesus come out? Or does just the character of Daniel come out? Or the character of Lily, right? Is that all you are known for? Or are you known also by Jesus's character. And this is the genuine spiritual nature that Jesus is calling us to. And as we finish chapter three tonight, I love how Paul does this, because what he does is he brings us to a real fundamental fact of us and our relationships, and how our relationships with the people around us, those will be a real, real kind of litmus test or an acid test of where you're at in your maturity in your spiritual walk. And so that's what we're going to get into tonight. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about uh, how we pursue Jesus and be like Jesus in those things. So let's read the text tonight. So again, Colossians 3, verse 18. Follow along with me. Wives, submit to your husbands. Where's Erica? (laughs) As is fitting in the Lord. All right, I'm done. No, um. I'm not going to read verse 19. Um, No, I'm teasing. (laughs) Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Verse 20. Children, (laughs) obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Verse 20. Yeah, they clap. I will not tell your parents you clap. Um <laughs> Verse 22. Oh, geez. Verse 22. Bond servants or servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, for not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. Fearing the Lord. Verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your, as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 25, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And lastly, verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So, Father, we do come before you right now. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's real and true. God, we pray that our hearts and our minds would be set upon you. We would just put aside, Lord, anxieties and fears, and, God, we would let the word, Lord, your word, speak to us and move in us and change us and convict us. So we give you this time in your name. Amen. All right. So Paul finishes chapter 3 with this real, this exhortation of real practical, spiritual walk. And it's the idea that that our relationships and Paul kind of covers a gambit of these relationships. No matter kind of what age you are, gender you are, you don't really get to escape this. Okay, and what Paul is doing is bringing the spirituality, this genuine spiritual walk with Jesus, to such a practical, uh, just daily example of what it means to be a Christian. So again, chapter three, right, chapter three, that the main idea of chapter three was knowing the truth about Christian living. It invites us to live an ordinary life in an extraordinary way. So if you were to do an overview or really study through chapter 3 again, what you would come to is knowing the truth about Christian living is it invites us as humans to continue to be human, but to live it in an extraordinary way because we're no longer just living as normal, just kind of human beings cruising around just trying to exist, but we're living as Christ lived. We're living with the purpose and the, the plan and the salvation that Christ has given us on our hearts, on our minds, on our lives, and then as you kind of step into chapter, as you step into chapter three, verse eighteen, the idea here—sorry, my, my thing is messing up—the the supporting idea of it is genuine spiritual living is bringing re- relationships into compliance with the example of Christ. So, if we're looking to Jesus to live this example, this kind of this extraordinary type of life as Christians. This last section of chapter three brings us to the idea that, that genuine spiritual living is bringing relationships into compliance with the example of Jesus. One of the things we talked about two weeks ago was the idea that the life that you live, it has to come in line with the life Jesus lived. We're not living our life and saying, Jesus, you kind of come alongside me and Jesus, you kind of like like do what I'm doing. No, Jesus is saying, no, you come do what I did. You come, you come live as I live. You love as I loved. It's in essence let's like you're moving forward you're moving at a certain speed and all of us are at different speeds you know we're all different sanctification processes some of us process slower some of us process faster but the idea you're moving and see you need to kind of match your speed with where Jesus has you and and it's not like Jesus is trying to match your speed but you're trying to match his and this kind of encompasses everything this encompasses like the type of like things that you do, your passions, your dreams, the the sports you love, the the things that you just desire in life, and as Paul brings it to this, it even becomes your relationships, the, the the things that are closest to you. And as we went over tonight, man, it's it's your parents, it's the people that you work for, it's the people that you work with. Ultimately, one day it'll be your husbands or your wives, and even in that relationship, it's we still want to come alongside and with Jesus and and who he's calling us to be to have this genuine spiritual walk, okay? So that's what we're going to go over tonight as we move through this. It shouldn't be too much, guys. But my memes tonight, I got to share this with you because it's like the idea of family, you know? Family can be so weird, right? Family can be so awkward, can be so dysfunctional. And so, of course, I had to come up with some of these, like, awkward family photos, right? (laughs) Like, this one is so bad. This one is so bad. I, I don't think that's Photoshopped. I don't think that's Photoshopped. Um, I, I don't know. Does anyone have a picture like this in their house? Seriously? No. <laughs> yeah. You get a perm with somebody, you know, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just, I, I don't get these. I don't get these. This one, this next one, I ne- like, yeah. these were like, like, I, I don't understand this. <laughs> Why? Why would they do this? I don't, it's like, it's the dad, like, as the dad, like, I don't, I don't get it. He's the head. Of the house. He's the head is that what it is? Who came up with that? (laughs) It's just something else, man. I don't know. Who came up with this one? Yeah, the head of the household, okay. What about this one? I don't I don't know. (laughs) The girl is just not having it today, right? She's not having it. And the mom looks like she's ready to tear somebody's head off. Uh, (laughs) What about this one? You've probably seen this one, right? Like, something went terribly wrong with this family. This is strange. This is just strange. Has anyone ever done a family picture like this? Seriously? Yeah. (laughs) It's just strange, guys. All right, here's one more. Here's another one. (laughs) It's you and your siblings, you know, just getting along. It's like the two sisters are all happy and the little brother's like, whatever, I don't care. I'm tired. It's almost like he was falling asleep in the picture and the mom's like shaking him to keep him awake, you know? And here's the last one. There's just something really wrong in this picture. There's something really wrong in this picture. There's multiple things wrong in this picture. There's multiple things wrong, right? Like, there's like multiple things wrong, right? This is just not, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. But I share all that. All right. I bring all that up. I show those because your relationships, your family you guys, like your family of origin. I'm sure all of us have that crazy uncle, right? That that we we talk to sometimes, but it's like when he shows up at you know, Christmas, it's like so like you talk to him for a little bit, and then you just let him do his thing. And we all have those crazy stories from family. We always have these crazy relationships. You know, as you guys get older, maybe even some of you have just like gnarly teachers, and you will have horrible bosses one day. It's just part of life. But yet, these are the relationships that you spend most of your time with. You know, for the years that I worked for the county, it was just like some gnarly like equipment operator type men. It hit me one day after we had Seth and Ellie. We had this house. we have been married for a couple years, and I'm like, man, on any given week, I spend more time with these crusty old equipment operators than I do with my own wife and kids. I, I spend more than 40 hours a week with them awake, like awake in a week. I spend more time with these guys than I do my own family. And it's just the idea that, that your relationships, that the people you interact with each and every day, you guys, we have to come to the realization that even in those just funkiest, hardest relationships, the fact is God is still calling you to be this spiritual person. He's still calling you to walk as Jesus walked. So I showed you those pictures just to show you, like, yeah, there's funkiness out there, but yet you're still called to be a Christian. So let's just break this up real quick. So verses 18 and 19, again, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as, as is in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not, um, do not <clears throat> be harsh with them, okay? So what Paul wants us to understand here, why are you laughing, Elias? What are you laughing about? Nah, <laughs> What, what Paul wants us to understand here is that your closest relationships will be the big, the best test or even the biggest test ground uh, for your maturity in, your biggest testing ground for your maturity in Christ, okay, your maturity in Jesus. The, the relationships that you are closest with, the relationships that, that, that you are more intimate with and more vulnerable with, that'll be your best testing ground for your maturity with Jesus. I've met so many young men and women that, that look really mature, they go to church, they're, they're all about Jesus, and then they get married, and man, those immaturities come out. The selfishness comes out. The, the, like, the time, I want to spend time with myself, I want to do what I want, comes out. And yet what Paul here wants us to understand is that if we choose to be married, we choose to step in that realm of marriage, whether wives or husbands, the fact is that does not give you an excuse to not be Christ-like to that person that is married to you, married to you or you are married to them. This is such a fundamental like, idea of Christianity, and yet we forget it, and we just think, well, Jesus wants us to be married, or God wants us to be married, so I'll just step into that. But yet, we have to understand that it is going to be such a huge testing ground for you, one day, right? you middle schoolers and high schoolers, when you guys get married, to be like Jesus to your spouse. Every day, every step of the way, through finances, through having kids, you guys, through in-laws, all of those things. Now, guys, like I get this, this is a long ways off, right? Hopefully, most of you high schoolers, even if you're 18, hopefully it's gonna be a couple years before you get married. Middle schoolers, it's way off, right? You're like not even considering wives or husbands right now, and that's okay. Boys are still nasty, it's it's good. It's a good thing, right? They're still dirty. Um the thing is, the thing is, listen, shh. you can look at your parents right now, and I think most of you in this room have parents that are Christian, that love Jesus, and you can look to them. And you can see in them this desire to be Christ-like with each other, a self-sacrificing type of love, a a compassion type of love that that isn't this this kind of dictatorship over one or the other, but it's the idea that they are following Jesus together. They are both desiring to be genuinely spiritual people, genuinely Jesus followers together. And then in that, they, they hope to run a godly household. They hope to raise godly kids. Now, the fact is, you as teenagers, you can point out All kinds of flaws in your parents. You're gonna see the flaws. You're gonna see the worst parts of them. I I can be stand up here and and you can think like Josh is the best youth pastor ever. That's great. But if you were to be, my kids were to be really honest, they're like, no, Josh can be a jerk (laughs) sometimes. Josh is not the best person all the time. Josh is imperfect, right? Josh like breaks and 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 is not the nicest guy, you know. But see, the thing is, my desire. It's still, still to serve Jesus. And so my kids, and, and you can look at your parents also and say, say, all right, they're not perfect, but yet I can learn from them. I can grow from them. And then one day I can choose to be the husband or the wife that I desire to be in Jesus. I can choose to pursue. right, Young ladies, you can choose to pursue a young man that, that desires Jesus more than you, that desires to be more like Jesus than he desires you. right, Young men. You desire a woman, a young woman that that desires Jesus more than you. That's the whole point of this. Is that Paul is saying, listen, like this relationship that you choose to get into one day, if you choose to get married, you choose to follow in, in God's plan in this way. The fact is, like you still are called to be a disciple of Jesus, even in your marriage. All right? You are called to be this this representative for Jesus, to be light, to be salt. And you guys, it'll test you in, in like no other way has tested you. It'll call you to be more sacrificial. It'll call you to be more like Jesus in, in, in deeper and more intimate ways than anything else does in this life. It's crazy how it does. But yet Paul is calling us to this as we step into this. And you guys, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I mean, think about this. If you go through life and you never step into places that you're tested, you never step into places that challenge you, that push you to grow, like, like, what does that make you? It Makes you weak. It makes you kind of cowardly, right? Because you're never, you're never willing to step into a place that you are challenged. And I don't just mean marriage, but I just mean in following after Jesus, and following after Jesus in deeper ways. So again, Paul says that wives submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. It's this equal. It's this equal. Uh, Step in serving Jesus, both husbands and wives, men and women together as we pursue Jesus, guys. I don't want to hit on this too much. You guys are middle schoolers and high schoolers. But what I want to encourage you with, what I do want to encourage you guys with, is that go ahead and look at your parents. Go ahead and look at the men and women in your life, those that are married, that you can look to as an example and start to pray over that. Start to think of the type of wives, young ladies that you want to be one day, men, the type of husbands that you want to be one day. Because it doesn't just happen by osmosis. You're not just going to wake up you know, one day and be like, I'm going to get married today. I'm going to be a great husband. It doesn't work like that. All right? Or I'm going to wake up, and I'm just going to be an amazing wife. No, it doesn't work that way. But just like with everything, as we follow after Jesus, we're building blocks on the foundation of the type of men and women that God is calling us to be. Okay, So that's enough said about that right now. Move on to Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. He says, children, because this is a little more to you guys, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. All right now this is more your guys' realm. This is where you are at. I love how Paul doesn't just hit on the parents, but yet writing this letter 2,000 years ago to the church in Colossae, he knew there would be children there or high schoolers and middle schoolers there. They were, they were you know, 12-year-olds, 13-, 14-year-olds to 18-year-olds 2,000 years ago, guys. They were in the church, and yet Paul writes to them, and he wants us to understand that, that the authority that's over us, the authority that's over you guys right here and right now, like, do you guys understand that that's by God's hand? You're in that place by God's purpose. And he wants us to understand that submitting to authority builds in you the ability to be a godly authority. And what I'm saying about that is the authority you have over you right now, the parents that you have over you, you guys didn't choose them. You were born to your parents, and you didn't get to say it, right? You didn't have a choice. God wasn't like, hey, you know, like Sarah, you want to be born to Dan and Tammy? You know, you were like, sure, God. You know, it didn't happen like that. You were just born. It just happened, right? And so the idea is that you've been born into this family. You have a mom and a dad. You have these parents over the You are an authority over you, and you had no choice of who those people were, all right? But yet you have the choice, you have the opportunity right here and right now as you grow and mature as a Christian to say, God, I trust you with this authority. And I get it, not everybody in here has mom and dads that follow Christ, right? Not everybody in here has mom and dads that are Christians, I get that. But still you have the opportunity to, to submit under them and to, to obey their authority up to disobeying God because what that does for you is it teaches you how to be a godly authority one day. It teaches you how to be an authority over your children one day that, op- that represents and honors God. It teaches you how to, to lead churches and to be men and women that, that lead in Bible studies and ministries because you were once under authority and you knew what it was like to be under an authority but yet respect God. And so the idea is that you can now have that authority, or I'm sorry, be that authority. My thing is like freaking out tonight, guys. But now you know how to be that authority over others, okay? And this is not something that God is, is giving you a choice in, really. I mean, you have the choice to be disobedient, but how does that really work out for you guys, right? When you just, like, rebel against your parents, how does that work out for you? It doesn't work out very well, does it, right? If you have parents that love you and are intentional, you, you rebel, you make choices that disobey them, it usually doesn't work out too well, right? Get your phone taken away, no more Fortnite for a month, Right? You don't get to go to practice or whatever it is, right? You, you basically come to a place where they have to have an authority. They have, to, they have to push that authority over you, okay? Now, what you get to experience right now in a really kind of guarded way, an umbrella type way, as a teenager, as a middle schooler, or high schooler, is you get to experience that authority and what it, like, what it means to, or what it feels like to rebel against that authority, but yet not, like, have these intense punishments over you. Like, one day if you rebel against the cops, you rebel against the government type authority over you, like that's a bigger consequence, isn't it? Right, right now you may get Fortnite taken away or you get like a game taken away or a phone or something like that, right? You get a DUI, you go speeding, you, you hurt somebody in your car or you, you steal something as an adult, right? Like those are much bigger consequences. Those are jail time, right? Those are things that, that cost you lots of money. And so the idea is that what the authority over is what it teaches us ultimately, is to respect the authority over us. Guys, I'm about ready to separate these middle schoolers right here. Chill, okay? Okay, yeah, just, just chill, okay? <laughs> the idea of what God wants you to understand is that you will always have an authority over you, always. Right? right now, it's your parents. One day, it's gonna be the cops. It's gonna be, it's gonna be you know, the idea of teachers or professors. The fact is that you will always have an authority over you and ultimately, you have God over you that's the highest authority. He wants you to understand that this is a process that he's developed so that we can one day, as you will grow into be parents, you'll grow to be, be you know, teachers and you'll grow to be coaches and all kinds of things, that you can then have the right rule of what it means to have authority. Now, moving on, now Paul goes to verse 22 through 25 where he says, Bondservants servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And as you read this, see, this kind of goes to now more the social class. Uh, 2,000 years ago, there were, there were lots of slaves, tons of slaves in the Roman Empire. So this idea of slave and slave master was kind of like a, a more intense, like, um, you know, kind of a job in a sense. You had like a employer and employee type thing. But Paul is kind of hitting every class in, in Colossae some 2,000 years ago. So it's husbands and wives, and then it's children and parents. And now he comes to even working, and so masters and slaves or employee, employer, And as Paul kind of reads through this, what I want you guys to understand is that we need to be faithful, content, and fruitful in the situation and season God has you in, okay? So faithful, content, and fruitful. And what Paul here is saying is that you, whatever you find yourself in... And every one of you will probably have a job one day. I hope you will. I hope you're productive members of society and you get a job and you pay taxes as horrible as they are and all those things, right? Like, like I hope that you're part of that, okay? Part of the society that, that you live in. And so you'll find yourself in that. And so in essence, as you find yourself in that, you still have the choice in that place to be submissive, to be obedient under the authority God has you in. And you will have bad bosses one day. You will have men and women that it's just, they're hard to respect. They don't have your moral code. They don't have your worldview. Maybe they're lazier than you are, like all kinds of things. But the fact is you still have this place. Like, who am I truly serving even if I have a horrible boss? Who am I truly come, like, like serving in my life? Who am I truly trying to honor in my life even when I have a horrible boss? And see, this is what I really want you guys to get at because whether you're a husband or a wife, Right now, you are children. One day, many of you will be parents. Many of you will have jobs. Many, many of you will even be bosses one day. But see, as you read something like this, the, the real concept I want you to get is that no matter where you find yourself in that lineup, your whole purpose is still to honor God above your parents, you guys, to honor God above your siblings, to honor God above your teachers, to honor God above your bosses, the authority, the government, all these things your first and foremost is who am I honoring? I'm honoring God. And so when we get that concept in who we are, what that brings to us is this place where we can be faithful. We can be faithful to God even in a hard situation where maybe you don't like your boss during that time or you don't like the season of life you're in. Or you can be content with the place that you're at. And ultimately then you can also be fruitful. You can bring glory to Jesus, you can bring glory to your faith. And I promise you guys, like, if you live in this, such, in this way and you keep this kind of center in your life, like, people around you that don't know Jesus, that don't honor him with their lives, they'll look at you and they'll wonder, well, what's different about this person? Why are the way they Why do they work so hard? Why are they such a faithful person with their job, even though, like, our boss is a complete jerk, right? Like, why, why are they the way they are? And you ultimately can bring glory to Jesus by saying, well, it's because God calls me to be a good worker. God calls me to be submissive under the authority that he has over me right now. You guys, whether that's working at In-N-Out or working for Elon Musk or in the government or whatever it is, your heart is to serve Jesus and be faithful so that you can be fruitful ultimately. You guys, like, I spent a lot of years working for, for non-Christian men. Right? a lot of years in, in, in ministry, but yet working for non-Christian men. And these are men that did not hold my values They didn't hold to my principles or to my morals, and yet I was still called to be a light and a witness to them. Maybe some of you guys go to a non-Christian school where where you have teachers that don't honor your faith. The fact is you were still called to be a witness to that teacher even if they, they call you out or they don't honor what you believe in. You will have bosses one day that don't hold to your values. But the fact is that does not take away what God is calling you to be. Ultimately, as we look at ourselves and where we're at as humans, whether children or parents or employees or employers, the main goal is still to be Christian. The main goal is still to be like Jesus and have a genuine spiritual walk about us. This is what Paul is bringing to light as we finish this section, is that as you look at all the identity, you look at all the inner spiritualness, all the the letting go of the flesh and serving Jesus, all of chapter 3, when it really comes down to it, when the rubber hits the road, you guys, like, are you still acting like Jesus even when you got a horrible boss over you? Are you still being like Jesus when you have an authority over you that does not respect, does not love Jesus, does not honor your faith or your religion? Maybe you even have a boss one day, you're like, hey, I, I want Sundays off. And they're like, no, I don't care. I don't care. Right? I'll find somebody else to take your place if you won't work Sundays. But yet God is still calling you to be a light, to be a Christian, to be like Jesus in their place. And then lastly you guys finishing up verse 1 of chapter 4 he says masters treat your bondservants justly and fairly knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Ultimately what this b- brings to us you guys is that we need to remain humble and always remember there is a God in heaven above us. I don't care where you become or what you become in this life. I don't care if you're a janitor cleaning toilets at a middle school or you're you you you, you know you're the next Elon Musk or you know, Amazon owner or whatever. right? I don't care where you end up in the spectrum in life. The fact is you need to continue to remain humble and know that no matter how big you get here, there's, there is a God that is bigger than you. There is a God that is more powerful than you and holds all these things in his hands. Like, like this is such a concept that, that when people kind of get a hold of their own life, and they've built their own life, they've built their own business, they have all the money they'd ever need, and they kind of run the way that they want it to run. They forget, but then ultimately they are accountable to a God who, who gave them the ability to do all these things. And so ultimately, what I, want, what I want you guys to get from chapter 3 of Colossians, leading into chapter 4, is that, that your call to be a Christian is, is a daily just pursuing after Jesus. That brings us to this place of knowing who he is and growing in him so that no matter where you find yourself in life, whether you're married or single or a kid or an adult, like no matter where you're at, male, female, like you know that Jesus is all, that he is calling you to something, that he has a purpose for you, but ultimately that he is calling you to be a witness and a light to the world around you. Now, let's get into a couple principles real quick before we, we finish up. Um, now, this is kind of all for chapter 3. Uh, the first one is Jesus Christ has the position of highest honor and authority. Uh, Colossians, you guys, this is why I picked the book of Colossians as we finished after, as we finished kind of this year, is because I just want to continue to remind you as teenagers, keep putting Jesus as kingship over you. Keep putting him in, your, in, your, in his rightful place as highest honor over who you are. You know, with all the things that you could worship, all the things that you could honor in this life, keep Jesus up there, keep him in that rightful place. Number two, all believers are identified with Christ and given new life. All believers are identified with Jesus and given new life. This idea of identity, it's so powerful in your guys' generation. Jesus wants you to remember like he is your identity. Number three, a heavenly perspective impacts our earthly activities. Number four, Jesus Christ indwells all believers. Number five, there, Christ is our model of love and obedience and our relationships with others. We talked about tonight. Look to Jesus when you're struggling with those hard authorities over you. Uh, The categories of spiritual and non-spiritual are false. All of life is spiritual. You know, chapter three has just kind of drilled that into us, that that you are a spiritual being, like who you are in Jesus. It should infiltrate every part of who you are. And lastly, spirituality is, is obedience in the ordinary. Meaning, you are human. You're you're where you're at right now. You can't change that. You are a human being in the age that you're at and the grade that you're at right here and right now. But the fact is, God is calling you to be spiritually obedient to Him, no matter where you find yourself. Now, you guys, I really encourage you that as you go like into this next week, as you go into kind of a vacation time with Jesus, like take the notes in the back and spend some time over Colossians three. Spend some time and and you know I know you guys got breaks coming up and. Uh, Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, we're gonna finish the book of Colossians next week. And you have the opportunity to like take that time and really meditate and really dig in. All right, Just spending spending seven sessions over the book of Colossians doesn't give it justice, but you have the, the opportunity as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, to, to really serve Jesus in a, in a deeper way and know him more deeper in this. So let me pray over you guys so you can go to small groups and go over these small group questions. Um, yeah, so Father, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for what you're doing here tonight. Again, we pray for the Zeolas and just thank you for their heart, their willingness to serve you in just really awesome ways. And so, Father, we, we just give you the small group time. We pray that we bless, that it would just be a time of growing deeper together in you and in our walk with you, Jesus. So we praise you, we worship you in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at Youth Group on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. If you'd like more information about JFY or have a question, reach out to us at JoshuaS at Calvary.com or DM us on Instagram at YMCalvary.